Tonight we're going to be in John chapter 13. If you have a Bible, let's go ahead and open up there. And I was thinking about it this way because you guys know how I'm weird, right? OCD, uh, me. And um, in one sense, Sunday is about life. And uh, it's cool, you know. Um, we don't need a Savior who can just help us while we live and go through hard times. We need a Savior who can help us when we die. And so one day when the Lord calls me home, if we don't get raptured, if time lapses, you know, uh, thinking again of Mike's dad, he was just on his way to the market. You know, we just, we, we just never know. And so um, one day when God calls me home, we're going to have life. And that's in heaven. And so Sunday's about the resurrection from the dead, how he conquered the coffin, right? Defeated death, gutted the grave. And so that's Sunday. Uh, Friday, when we have communion, which is tomorrow, we're going to ponder the cross. And so I just think of love. I think of how much he loved us. He loves us so much. Romans uh, 5.8 says that God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so basically, you know, Usually we have a struggle loving people when they're mean to us, loving people when they're not lovely. I mean, it's easy loving people when they like you, when they're nice to you, when they say all the right things to you, when they rub you the right way, when you get a good vibe around them. Because sometimes we don't get good vibes and we're like we run the other way. And God is saying, that's not like my love. My love loves you when you were my enemy, when you nailed me to a cross, when you spit on my face. Um, that's God's love. And so that's the cross, really. The, the symbol of love shouldn't really be a heart. It should be a cross. And so Sunday's life, um, today, uh, Friday's love. But, but today, and I know it's not really smooth for the words, but I was just thinking of this label of servanthood. Today, as we go uh, to Monday, Thursday, we're, we're going to see um, the servant, you know, the, the servant. You know, God is good. Jesus is so good, and I'm not. I'm, like Xavier says, good for nothing. <laughs> you know, Xavier will say, I'm a good sinner, man. I'm a great sinner, but we have a great Savior. God is good. He had this heart to serve. You guys remember this uh, verse, right? Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For the Son of Man has not come to, to be served, but to what? serve and to give his life a ransom for many so that's a crazy you know thought man the whole thing about god coming to serve you know and and so in one sense and i know there's a lot more to it you guys i don't want to oversimplify it but in one sense that summarizes our life i have come i am born i live i breathe i have my days and my moments and everything consumes me to serve and so i don't want to go there too quick because i think if we do we mess it up we really have to focus more on how he served and so that's what we get to see today there's a lot of things we can talk about when it comes to the week that led up to good friday and easter sunday as a matter of fact i have a paper right here and and henry remind me afterwards we'll make copies and we'll give it to you guys we'll put in the back and that way you can know all the things that happened that week leading up to Good Friday because it was a beautiful week, especially the, the, the Tuesday when, they, when, when Mary of Bethany washed Jesus' feet. To me, that was just an amazing thing with all her you know, uh, perfume and all the worship that filled the house and everything. And so you, you got to see what happened. 
But um, that, that night, a lot of things, you guys remember, the Lord talked about love. He talked about the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and here in John 13, this is the one that kind of jumped out at me for today. And so we're going to see in verses 1 through 3, the timing. And then in verses 4 through 17, the teaching. Now, the most important part is the teaching, but the timing helps the teaching. You're going to see it here in John 13. Look what we read in verse 1. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end, and supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God. All that, verses 1 through 3, is like the, the timing, the backdrop, the, the setting, the when, all that. And then he gets into verse 4. Jesus then rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel, girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. I'm just curious. How many of you guys, you freak out on feet? F- feet freak you out. Anybody here? I don't have a problem with feet. I don't know why. Some people do. Um, washing someone's feet, how would you guys do with that? I'm just curious. Is that a problem? Probably not huh? for most of us here. Um, unless there was a certain stigma to it that basically said, just to let you know, if you wash someone's feet, you are the lowest person in this place. I mean, we have to understand that. We'll get to that. You know, I was talking to someone the other day, and they were telling me about a guy that was working at a local restaurant, and he was outside picking up the trash and emptying it and kind of cleaning up a little bit. And there was a guy that drove by, and he said, Hey, you're doing a great job. And he threw his trash out the window for him to discontinue to do that. And so, you know, if that was you, I don't know what you would do. Some of you guys right here, you're so carnal, you get the one-way sign or something, huh? We, but man, you name it, we would probably react in such a way our flesh would flare up. In one sense, that, that heart of being a servant is really what we have to capture in this right here. You know, Jesus washing feet. But not just Jesus washing feet. It's when Jesus washed feet now now recently we were blessed with an awesome missions trip i didn't uh, get to go on this one but some of the team from cambodia they they washed feet and um they were um, washing the feet of some of the gals in this ministry it's so amazing and they were just talking about how it was like a taste of heaven i mean it was just so beautiful and it, and it really i believe them with all my heart You know, and so just in and of itself, there's something about that with an expression of love that means a lot. But again, for us looking at this, the timing of it is it makes a big difference. You have to see it in the the backdrop that that John paints here. Now, I didn't know Naomi was going to do worship today, but I will say this. She's in my notes because, you know, Naomi's a blessing and she does worship for us, right? And it means a lot to us, you know, because we know that she is just worshiping God. And then when she does that, we join her. So in and of itself, just in and of itself, it's a blessing. But a couple of weeks ago, it was her birthday. 
And because of the fact that it was her birthday and she was still here, I mean, because a lot of people would say, hey, it's my birthday, man. I'm going to Lucille's or something. You know, it's my birthday. I'm going to whatever, Universal City Walk or whatever. And again, it doesn't mean that you guys always have to be here for your birthday. I'm not talking like that. I'm just saying that when it was there and they find out it's her birthday and she says, hey, I can, we can schedule a different day. She said, no, it's okay. And so what I'm saying is, yeah, worshiping and leading and whatever it is, it's that in and of itself, it's cool. Washing feet, amazing. But, but when you realize some of the things that are going on behind the scenes, the timing of it, it even makes it more amazing. And that's what we're going to see here. Verses 1 through 3 are, are the timing and then verses 4 through 17 are really the teaching that Jesus wants to share with us. And so First thing we see, there's four things regarding the timing. First of all, is that this is the time of the departure of Jesus. Notice again there in verse 1, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father. And so when did the foot washing take place? Well, it's just before the Passover, and that means that he would be killed as the Passover lamb, and he was about to depart, which is another way of saying that he was about to die. And so it's something to consider. You know, I'll be honest, and I've got to check my own heart. I'm just going to tell you guys this. Like uh, sometimes uh, someone will invite me to do something on a Saturday or whatever. There's something maybe someone even asks me to do on a Saturday, and I have this excuse that says, I'm sorry, I have to teach tomorrow. Which I, I know you guys are cool and you guys give me grace and you guys know, yeah, my man, he probably needs to make sure he's prepared for that. But imagine, <laughs> I mean, here's Jesus. Hey, can you wash feet? Kind of like his father's saying, oh, I have to die tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like we got to be really careful. I mean, Jesus was about to depart. That's a really nice way of saying that he was about to die. You know, we read this description, and it's interesting the way that it's put. You know, he's about to depart and to go and and be with the Father. Same thing in John chapter 16, uh, verse 28. Now, I like the way that it describes our home in heaven as going to be with the Father, going to be with God. And one day we'll do the same according to Second Timothy chapter 4 in verse 6. One day we will take down the tent. One day we will be set free. One day uh, the anchor will lift and we will sail home. And so, you know, what's the backdrop? What's the timing? Number one, he was about to, to die, about to depart. Number two, it was the background of the betrayal. Of Jesus. So look at again in verse verse two, it says in supper being ended, the, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. And and so the departure of Jesus, the, the death of Jesus, number two, the betrayal of Jesus. And you know, this is a, a really ugly thing to think about. The the Greek word here that what the devil did to Judas, it means that he threw this into him. It's usually translated to cast into it. It means to thrust into. The devil shot this fiery dart into the heart of Judas, and tragically, 
what Judas did is he allowed it to take root in his heart and it ruined him. And so it wasn't just washing feet. It was the day before his death, and it wasn't just a death. You guys know it's a cross that he's looking forward to, and it didn't just happen from his enemies. It was something that was instigated and fueled by his so-called friend, by the one that he had been, in one sense, kind of living with and supporting and loving and pouring into for the last three and a half years. You know, it it was something that the devil did that Judas allowed. And, and, you know, the the Greek scholar Wiest, he said, the devil hurled into the heart of Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, with a force so that it stayed there. In other words, now it's a, a done deal. Judas, in playing with sin, had crossed the line and there was no turning back. And and again, I don't want to get miss the point, but just as a quick side note, do not dance with the devil. He is a liar. And so when you get those thoughts in your mind, make sure that you check them with the word of God. Because once a lie finds a home into your heart, and like Kenneth Wee says, he just hurls it in there. You know, when you allow it to take root... It ruins you. There are many Judases, even in the church today. And so that's a side note, but that's what Jesus experienced. None of us are like Jesus. I mean, Jesus loved Judas in such a way that you and I will never even begin to understand. And after all that love, what ends up happening is he betrays him. You know, at the end of the day, Our lives will end with a synopsis of what will be, who we will be. For Judas, he would be the betrayer. Again, the main point here is just how ugly it is, in part for Judas, but primarily for Jesus, right? And so we see here that Judas was pretending to be on Jesus' side, but all along his heart was against his friend. And he betrayed him for money. He betrayed him... You guys know, not with a hiss, but he betrayed him with a kiss. And so the, the background to the whole thing, it just kind of changes things. Have you ever had a friend betray you? Have you ever had someone that you just clean hands, loved, prayed for, poured into, gave opportunities to, you, know, you name it, man, all the good stuff of life, and then they come back and, you know, that's a real big thing. I have a hunch that maybe some of you had tasted a sliver of that, but most of us probably haven't gone through it to this extent. But that's where Jesus was. You know, I tend to be a guy that I, I value people, I love people. I even, to my shame, I tend to be more of like a people pleaser. That's kind of just the way that I'm wired. I have to fight against it because I want to make sure that I please God. You know, sometimes when you're a preacher, you don't say enough. They, they want you to say more. Or sometimes when you're a preacher, you don't say enough. They want you to say more. They want you to say less. And it's hard to figure out what's going on. So what I have to do whenever I come up is just say, okay, Lord, um, help me just to teach your word and help me to do and be sensitive to your Holy Spirit, right? And so, I don't know, there's just something about you just want everyone to like you because you love people, right? But um, Jesus, it wasn't like in in a flawed sense. He loved people. 
He genuinely loved Judas. And so that's the backdrop to what's going on. That's the pain that I think he's experiencing. And I think sometimes it's good to know the backdrop. It's good to know the timing when you're trying to get the teaching. Because we can make excuses. I can make excuses. I can't serve you like that, Lord. I can't, I can't bear the pain of that type of insult, Lord. I can't. You know, I, and for me, I'm thinking, and I'll just be honest with you because I want to tell you guys. I don't know if any of you guys will, it'll resonate within you. But, but for me, I don't mind vacuuming. I don't mind toilets. I don't mind the menial stuff. As a matter of fact, I prefer that. Now, I'm not trying to brag. I'm just telling you the honesty of it. I would much rather sweep and mop and do all that kind of stuff, right? Do you want to know what's difficult for me is praying. Praying, because that right there, I don't know why. I think it's because the devil, he doesn't want us to pray. He knows how powerful that is. That's probably the best way I could serve anybody is by praying for them. But, you know, you make excuses. We make excuses. I have responsibilities. I have to teach a Bible study. How are you going to teach a Bible study without praying? You know, I have to talk on the phone and you're counseling with people and different things. And so when you look at Jesus and the way that he served and the backdrop behind it, it kind of helps us. I was thinking about 1988. Maybe you guys might remember October 15th. Any of you guys Dodger fans? I'm just curious. It was game one of the World Series. The Dodgers were down four to three, the bottom of the ninth. And there's a guy, they call up to pinch it. There's a runner on first base, and you guys know what I'm talking about, huh? This guy had injuries in both legs, and they called him up to pinch it. And that night, game one, World Series, maybe some of you saw it. I remember. It was amazing. Man, 1988, Kurt Gibson hits that home run, and he wins the game. Dodgers go on to win the World Series. It was just glory. Right? So, you know, you're, you're looking at that and you're like, hey, that's a pretty cool story. That guy hit a home run. But do you realize the pain that he was going through? Do you, realize in, do you realize the injury that he had? Do you realize the courage it even took for him to go up there and then to hit a home run? I think in many ways that's going to be how it is for us eventually as we get older. And I learned this too. And I want to tell you guys this because I think that sometimes... We don't understand. We think, well, I've been a Christian now for a long time, and it will get easier. No, it won't. I mean, I have a feeling, doesn't it make sense, that if you're going to serve the Lord and you're going to surrender your heart to Him, doesn't it make sense that it will get more difficult? Doesn't it make sense that the demons Will, that will come against you will be in greater ranks? Doesn't it make sense that the lies will be more subtle? Doesn't, it, doesn't that make sense? And I have a feeling that that's the way it is. And in one sense, I'm not saying that life as a Christian is, you know, is this, you know, horrible and you, you can't do it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but we can't be wimpy. You know, we're, we're going we're gonna to go through the, the Judases. That's going to happen. You know, don't let it sink your ship. Don't let it make you drown. We're going to go through, you know, these times uh, like Jesus went through here. Uh, we're looking one day, you and I might be looking at death. 
God wants us to finish strong. You know, this was the context. This was the timing, the departure of Jesus, the betrayal of Jesus. And then it's interesting, even the power of Jesus. Look at verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and he had come from God and was going to God. And so, again, you know, when you look at this, there's no doubt about it that John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is trying to give us like a win, like I'm trying to give us a background. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, you know, that he should depart, you know, he, he, supper being ended. I mean, it's like John is really painting the picture as far as the timing of all this, right? And so now we realize that Jesus was kind of like in this place where he had been given all things. Uh, and so we know, we read that through the scriptures, the, the power and position of Jesus. John 3, in verse 35, that says, The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Matthew eleven twenty seven. All things have been delivered to me by my Father. Ephesians one twenty two is an interesting one. It says, and he put all things under his feet, Jesus' feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church. And so, um, to me, it's amazing for many reasons. Basically, at this time, when Jesus knew that all things had been placed under his feet, he decided to wash their feet. And then to magnify the teaching, John gives us the timing. Why? Because normally when a person is facing death square in the faith face, normally they're going to be in despair. Normally when a person is betrayed, they get bitter. Normally when a person gets power and, you know, choose Jesus with all power, normally a person gets prideful it's just the way it is but this is not a normal heart like yours and mine and i'm trying to just say today because like i said earlier i am not a good man i'm good for nothing i'm a good sinner i fail all the time none of us are good but we're here tonight to say that jesus is jesus Jesus is good. You know, as you read through your Old Testament, you have the old covenant name of Yahweh or, or, you know, Yehovah. We don't even know for sure how to pronounce it. But there's no doubt about it that when you read into the New Testament, the transition as far as the name above all names is Jesus. The Father points to his Son. The Holy Spirit's point, they point to Jesus. And I, I pray that we would know how good he is. You know, the departure of Jesus, the betrayal of Jesus, the power of Jesus, it it might make someone stumble, but it's all wrapped with the the love of Jesus. And that's what we see in this passage right here. It says in verse 1, Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And that's why he's able to do what he does, even in the timing that we see him in. Because God, he loves the whole wide world, John 3.16 says, but make no mistake about it, he has a special love for his own. That's what it says right here, having loved his own. His own. Do you see the word ownership in, in the word his own? 
You know, they were his boys. They were his boys. Some of you guys, even talking today with Mike, is so blessed with the fellowship of the brothers. So blessed with that. You guys know what I'm talking about. We got, we got our brothers, man. Here's Jesus with the sons that he has. Or, you know, think of him with the daughters that you are. His apostles, uh, his sheep. We are his own. We are his children. We are his body. We are his bride. We belong to him. And therefore, he has a special love for us. I love all of you guys. I mean, I try to love. I, I wish I could spread myself out more. But now when you start talking about my kids, it's, it's different. That's who we are to him. He loved his own to the end. That's what it says right there, right? He loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. And so let me ask you a question. What do you think that means? He loved them to the end. What do you think that means? And I just give you guys a, a moment to, to think about that. You know, um, he loved his own to the end. You know, I, there's a lot of different uh, theories, and that's one of the beautiful things. I'll be honest with you. I got to be honest with you. That's one of the beautiful things about the Bible. There's a lot of things that, hey, I'm not 100% sure. It could be this, and it could be this. Some people think they got it all figured out. I know I don't, and I've read it many times. But there's uh, uh, this word in the Greek is also translated to the uttermost. And so he loved his own to the uttermost. Some will say he loved them to the guttermost. You know, he'll go to the ends of the earth and chase you down because he loves you to the end. You know, loves you maybe to the the end of his life while he's there. There's a certain aspect to it. But there's an interesting uh, Greek uh, clue that we have. And so I want to teach you a couple of Greek words tonight. The one Greek word is the word uh, tello. Tello. So he loved his own to the tello. Can you say that? Tello, without saying television, you can say that, right? Tello, telephone, it means to the end, one end to the other, right? He loved his own to the end. But when you go over to John chapter 19, verse 30, when Jesus died on the cross and he said, uh, it is finished, the Greek word is teleo. And they're, 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 they're in the Strong's is 50-55, 50-54, they're right next to each other. He loved his own... To the end, he loved his own to the cross. He loved his own to the redemption. That's how much he loves you. And it's very important for for us to, to understand that. Because I don't know where you guys are. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know why we struggle so much with the, with the concept of that, you know, God loves me. But this is proves that he did even with the timing like this he's about to die but he's not sweating bullets i mean he's going to be betrayed by a friend that he had loved so much all that kind of stuff going on what we find is that he loved them to the uttermost you know the bible says that love never fails it never ends and that's how god loves you jeremiah 31 3 it says that he loves us with an everlasting love and so with loving kindness, he draws us to him. Uh, how do you love God? Let me ask you a question. Do you love God? How do you know you love God? The Bible says, if you love me, you'll keep my 
my commands. Now, I don't, I don't want to just make it be like a Pharisee thing, like, oh, yeah, you dot every I and you cross every T and you don't watch rated R movies or whatever the case may be. You know, I'm not talking, I believe that the love is deeper. I believe there is that aspect of I love God. That's why I obey God. That's why, you know, I live this life because I love him. And we've talked about this. First John 4, 19, we love him because... He first loved us. You mean to tell me, Lord, you still love me? Yeah. And, and he loves me to the end. He loves me to the guttermost. And that's what we see here. Revelation 1.5, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And we see tonight that not only does he wash us the day that we get saved, but this love is going to wash us every single day of our lives. Because I tell you what, that's where I mess up every day. <laughs> so you get the timing and then you, you get the teaching. And let's read through this real quick in verse 4. It says, And he rose from supper and he laid aside his garment took a towel, girded himself, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and began to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. And I, and I think, I'm not sure, I think we have a picture of Jesus here, um, kind of like a, a, one of those orthodox uh, stained glass window pictures. No, we don't. Okay, I'm so sorry. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll have to show it to you guys next year. But... Um, <laughs> You know, if you can visualize it, you know, um, it's a beautiful picture. It really is. I don't know, this one picture that I got off the Internet, it was just so, it just, it captured him in his humility. It captured him in his majesty, you know, washing their feet. You know, and so it says in verse 6 that he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. And so obviously the you know, as the Lord's doing this, he's gonna he's gonna teach them something that they are about to understand. They don't understand it yet. Jesus is doing it first, but but he says, Eventually you will. And then Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered to him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. And so Simon Peter, going to the extreme, he said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and head. And Jesus said to him, he who is bathed. Now, this is a different Greek word. Um, this is the, the word that talks about being forgiven, you know, being saved. You know, we're going to have two Greek words, luo and lipto. Over and over again, it's wash, 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 wash. But right here, he uses a different Greek word. If you have an old King James, he uses the same word, which is not a good translation. It's a different word. If you're bathed, he says you need only to wash his feet, but it's completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. And that was in reference to Judas, for he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you are not all Clean. And so when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. 
Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And so, real quick, you know, visually, he taught them. And it's always good to, if you can, try to teach in visuals and try to give that example, right? I don't know if you can picture the scene, but in Luke chapter 22, it's right around verse 24. If you get a chance, you can check it out. The disciples were in the middle of an argument as to who of them was the greatest, I'm the greatest. I'm better than you. I'm more important than you. When Jesus gets his kingdom, you know, and they were just kind of like the guys, unfortunately, the, the, the flesh. It's a stupid thing to see how people in the church would even begin to go anywhere near such carnal thoughts. But, but here they are arguing about who's the greatest, right? And so um, as they're in the middle of that, in those days, I mean, washing feet was that that's what you did. I mean, you go through the Old Testament, for example, Genesis 18:4, Genesis 19:2. Uh, one of them is Abraham washing feet. The next one is Lot washing feet. Think about that. Uh, it's in Genesis 43:24 when Joseph was in, heading there, and even Judges 19:21. Uh, really, like weird uh, uh, chapter, but they're just everybody's always washing feet. In those days, even in the New Testament, First Timothy chapter five, in verse ten, it talks about widows who support them who have washed the saints' feet. And so everybody knew that you wash feet. It would be like almost like like you know when someone comes over your house, what what's one of the first things you do? You offer him some carrot cake, right? No, I'm so you. Your first thing, give you, hey, would you like some water? Here, have a seat. You know, you're, you're going to be hospitable to them. And this was what was responsibility for the lowest servant in the house. I guess apparently no one there would do it, even though their probably feet were smelly and with toe jam and all that kind of stuff. Because if it was dry, it would be dusty. If it was wet, they'd be muddy. They were just filthy feet. In those days, remember, they didn't sit in chairs like this. They leaned, they reclined. And so, man, you had someone's feet right in your face. And there's no doubt about it because Jesus knew what the Holy Spirit told all these guys. None of them listened. None of them listened. And so Jesus got up and he did it himself. And he gave them that visual example. And so what does he teach us in this? And what, what he teaches us is a couple of things. One of the things that he teaches them is to, you know, as he teaches, he gives an example I'm about to go. I'm about to finish what I've done on earth. And now I'm about to leave you so that you can finish what you're supposed to do on earth. And so, you know, you got to know my love. And he talks a lot about the Holy Spirit, right? In John 14 and John 16, very important. Don't go anywhere, he said in Luke 24, 49, until that power you know, from on high it comes on you, right? We have to make sure that we don't grieve the Holy Spirit through sin. We don't quench the Holy Spirit through unbelief. And so we try to be holy and we, we just, Lord, and you pray and you read in the scriptures, as he prayed, the Holy Spirit came. And so we know that, but it, none of that's going to matter unless you have a heart to serve, 
unless you have a heart to, to willing to do anything. And if Jesus says, I want you to go wash the toe jam between their, their, their toes, I mean, if he tells you to put in your sandwich, you would. I mean, whatever it is that the Lord would tell us to do, we would do, right? Because we're servants. And that's what he says right here. And, and it spills over into all of life. You know, I have a hard one time with this because like I told you earlier, I remember the days when just washing bathrooms and throwing on the earphones and just having a good time doing that. So that doesn't really count for me. It doesn't even count as sacrificial service to me. What God's calling me is more of an intense labor is one of the things I don't really like to do is talk on the phone, to be honest, but I have to. You know, you talk for an hour to this person one day, an hour to that one who's having marital struggles, an hour over here. Um, I don't like it, but that's kind of like maybe my form of serving or like I said earlier, praying. What's yours? You know, if the Lord says, hey, I want you to eat pizza and you like pizza, that doesn't count as a sacrifice. I don't know. Maybe it's a missions trip that God will. All I know is it's his heart that has a, it's a servant's heart. Pastor Chuck had it. You know, he would go and he would be preaching. He'd be in a suit and he sees the clog drain and he'd roll up the sleeves and he'd, you know, fix it. And again, like when I think of that, I'm like, well, that's not a big deal. But, you know, for some people it is. That's all I know. Some people, they do have a hard time emptying the trash. They do have a hard time, you know, doing the menial tasks. That's God will show you whatever it is, whatever your calling is. You know, I was thinking about Mother Teresa, you know, at the age of 17, sacrificing her life, eventually finding out that she was called to Calcutta in India to serve the, the ones that not only were hungry, not only were uh, uh, unclothed, not only were homeless, not only were orphans, but the ones who were unwanted, the ones who were unloved, the ones who were unattractive. That's who she served. And sometimes even in the church, we're like, hey, I, I, I like them. I like them, but not them. And the Lord says, well, I want you to reach out. Yeah, I don't, well, I don't, I don't wash feet. I don't do that, Lord. Someone will, I'm sure someone else will. And Jesus says, hey, I want you to. You know, when the Lord washed their feet, um, one of the things that he definitely teaches us is what's called practical forgiveness. Did you guys know that when we walk through the earth, that our feet get dirty, and every day we sin? Let me ask you a question. How many times, if your brother sins against you, how many times should you forgive him? Seven times? Seven times 70. And I bet you almost anything. That's how many times God has to forgive you. Isn't he good? Isn't he good? When he looks at you, he sees no sin. But I will say this. What if you're like Peter? You're like, no way, Lord. You ain't never washing my feet. And Lord says, hey, watch out. You're bathed. You're clean. But you need your feet washed. And what is that? First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, homo logeo is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Come to God, tell him your sins. Confess your sins. Repent of those sins. And if you do it 70 times in one day, I tell you what, he will wash those sins. Because when you're bathed, then you're clean, you're Christian, you're positionally forgiven. But from a practical perspective, then you need more. 
And that's the way it is for us. And we, we kind of close with that truth. That, that positionally, we need uh, to know that we are forgiven, that we are clean. Do you guys know that about yourself? How many of you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ? I'm just curious. You have, huh? You've, you've admitted that? You said the sinner's prayer? Lord, I'm jacked up. Have you guys said that? I am jacked up. I am messed up. I'm a sinner. I'm the chief of all sinners. But Lord, I believe you died for me on the cross. And you rose again. You are my savior. If that's you, then you are a Christian. You're forgiven. You're free. But it doesn't end there. Every single day, I believe, you guys, we have to come clean. Because what one does is it gives union. I'm union. I have this relationship with Christ. But what the other does is it gives communion. Communion. Warren Worsby put it this way, the basic truth of Christian living is beautifully illustrated in the Old Testament priesthood. When the priest was consecrated, he was bathed all over, Exodus 29.4, and that experience was never repeated. You're already forgiven, you're bathed all over. However, during his earthly ministry, during his daily ministry, the priest became defiled, and so it was necessary that he wash his hands and feet at the brass lever in the courtyard, Exodus 30.18-21. Only then could he enter the holy place. And so the Lord gives his teaching of what he's done and what we should do. What does he say right here? Since I've done this, what should you guys do? Wash each other's feet. As he said, I did what I did. I came to serve. Now I want you to serve and I want you to wash each other's feet. You know, they say, because again, it's tough sometimes, the humility that it requires, but they say that the fuller the ear is of the rice grain, the lower it bends. And the more you are like God, the more you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the meeker you are, the, the more humble you are. And that's where we want to learn our lesson today. We need uh, servants who lead, and we need leaders who serve. But you might be here and you say, well, not now. Just the timing's not right. What if Jesus had said that 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 night? You know what? I would encourage you to make those steps and do whatever it is that God calls you to do, especially if you're here and you're like discouraged or depressed. John Corson said, the next time you feel discouraged or depressed, distressed, the next time you feel like throwing in the towel, do what Jesus did. Instead, grab a towel, find some dirty feet to wash, and then start washing. I was thinking about what we read in the Old Testament, how um, if the time came when they said, I love my master, I love my wife, I love my kids, and the servant would go to his master and he said, I want to serve you for the rest of my life, they would pierce his ear and then he would become a bondservant. And I was just thinking about that. In the New Testament, that's the title. huh? You don't read like Pastor Paul. You don't. You don't read like, you know, teacher, whatever, um, James or Peter. What do you read? They are what? Bond servants. And so as we go forward today in this Good Friday Easter service, you know, there's a lot to learn that week. But I do pray, you guys, that we would at least have that heart. Say, Lord, you can't.
can you wash feet? Show me how to do that. And he'll give you wisdom. Whatever it might be. Because he finished his, you know, his work, his service. And that's my heart. I want to do, I want to do the same.